Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 128. Today we see Solomon in incredible ways, praying out to God, dedicating the temple, bringing the ark in. And doing all these amazing things that show that he is dedicating himself and the people of Israel to the Lord. And that theme will be continued as we read from Psalm 30, this idea of dedicating ourselves to God. And we'll see how God also calls to dedicate certain people to certain roles as well, as we'll see that in 1 Timothy 3. And so let's look through this theme as we read through our chapters today from 1 Kings 8, Psalm 30, and 1 Timothy chapter 3. But we begin today with 1 Kings chapter 8. Then Solomon convened in Jerusalem Israel's elders and all the leaders of the Israelite tribes and families so they could witness the transferal of the Ark of the Lord's Covenant from the city of David, that is Zion. All the men of Israel assembled before King Solomon during the festival in the month of Ithain, the seventh month. When all Israel's elders had arrived, the priests lifted the Ark. The priests and the Levites carried the Ark of the Lord, the tent of meeting, and all the holy items in the tent. Now King Solomon and all the Israelites who had assembled with him went on ahead of the Ark and sacrificed more sheep and cattle than could be counted or numbered. The priests brought the Ark of the Lord's Covenant to its assigned place in the inner sanctuary of the temple, in the most holy place, under the wings of the cherubim. The cherubim's wings extended over the place where the Ark sat. The cherubim overshadowed the Ark and its poles. The poles were so long, their ends were visible from the holy place in front of the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen from beyond that point. They have remained there to this very day. There was nothing in the ark except the two stone tablets Moses had placed there in Horeb. It was there that the Lord had made a covenant with the Israelites after he brought them out of the land of Egypt. Once the priests left the holy place, a cloud filled the Lord's temple. The priests could not carry out their duties because of the cloud. The Lord's glory filled his temple. Then Solomon said, The Lord has said that he lives in thick darkness. O Lord, truly I have built a lofty temple for you, a place where you can live permanently. Then the king turned around and pronounced a blessing over the whole Israelite assembly as they stood there. He said, The Lord God of Israel is worthy of praise because he has fulfilled what he promised to my father David. He told David, Since the day I brought my people Israel out of Egypt, I have not chosen a city from all the tribes of Israel to build a temple in which to live. But I have chosen David to lead my people Israel. Now my father David had a strong desire to build a temple to honor the Lord God of Israel. The Lord told my father David, It is right for you to have a strong desire to build a temple to honor me. But you will not build the temple. Your very own son will build the temple for my honor. The Lord has kept the promise he has made. I have taken my father David's place and have occupied the throne of Israel. As the Lord promised, I have built this temple for the honor of the Lord God of Israel and set up in in it a place for the ark containing the covenant the Lord made with our ancestors when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. And Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the entire assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward the sky. He prayed, O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on the earth below. 
You maintain covenantal loyalty to your servants who obey you with sincerity. You have kept your word to your servant, my father David. This very day you have fulfilled what you've promised. Now, O Lord, God of Israel, keep the promise you made to your servant, my father David, when you said, You will never fail to have a successor ruling before me on the throne of Israel, provided that your descendants watch their step and serve me as you have done. Now, O God of Israel, may the promise you made to your servant, my father David, be realized. God does not really live on the earth. Look, if the sky and the highest heaven cannot contain you, how much less this temple I have built. But respond favorably to your servant's prayer and this request for help, O Lord my God. Answer the desperate prayer your servant is presenting to you today. Night and day may you watch over this temple, the place where you promised you would live. May you answer your servant's prayer for this place. Respond to the request of your servant and your people Israel for this place. Hear from inside your heavenly dwelling place and respond favorably. When someone is accused of sinning against his neighbor and the latter pronounces a curse on the alleged offender before your altar in this temple, be willing to forgive the accused if the accusation is false. Listen from heaven and make a just decision about your servant's claims. Condemn the guilty party, declare the other innocent, and give both of them what they deserve. The time will come when your people Israel are defeated by an enemy because they sinned against you. If they come back to you, renew their allegiance to you and pray for help in this temple. Then listen from heaven, forgive the sin of your people Israel, and bring them back to the land you gave to their ancestors. The time will come when the skies are shut up tightly and no rain falls because your people sinned against you. When they direct their prayers toward this place, renew their allegiance to you and turn away from their sin because you punish them. Then listen from heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel. Certainly, You will teach them the right way to live and send rain on your land that you have given your people to possess. The time will come when the land suffers from a famine, a plague, blight and disease or locust invasion and when their enemy lays siege to the cities of the land or when some other type of plague or epidemic hits. When all your people Israel pray and ask for help as they acknowledge their pain and spread out their hands toward this temple, Then listen from your heavenly dwelling place, forgive their sin, and act favorably toward each one based on your evaluation of his motives. Indeed, you are the only one who can correctly evaluate the motives of all people. Then they will obey you throughout their lifetime as they live on the land you gave to our ancestors. Foreigners who do not belong to your people Israel will come from a distant land because of your reputation. When they hear about your great reputation and your ability to accomplish mighty deeds, they will come and direct their prayers toward this temple. Then listen from your heavenly dwelling place and answer all the prayers of the foreigners. Then all the nations of the earth will acknowledge your reputation, obey you as your people Israel do, and recognize that this temple I built belongs to you. When you direct your people to march out and fight their enemies, and they direct their prayers to the Lord toward this chosen city and this temple I built for your honor, then listen from heaven to their prayers for help and vindicate them. The time will come when your people will sin against you, for there is no one who is sinless, and you will be angry with them and deliver them over to their enemies, who will take them as prisoners to their own land, whether far away or close by. When your people come to their senses in the land where you have held them prisoner, they will repent and beg for your mercy in the land of their imprisonment, admitting, We have sinned and gone astray, we have done evil. When they return to you with all their heart and being, in the land where they are held prisoner, and direct their prayers to you toward the land you gave their ancestors, your chosen city, and the temple I built for your honor, then listen from your heavenly dwelling place to their prayers for help, and vindicate them, 
Forgive all the rebellious acts of your sinful people, and cause your captors to have mercy on them. After all, they are your people, and your special possession, whom you brought out of Egypt, from the middle of the iron-smelting furnace. May your May you be attentive to your servants and your people's requests for help, and may you respond to all their prayers to you. After all, you picked them up out of all the nations of the earth to be your special possession, just as you, O Sovereign Lord, announced through your servant Moses when you brought our ancestors out of Egypt. When Solomon finished presenting all these prayers and requests to the Lord, he got up from before the altar of the Lord, where he had kneeled and spread out his hands toward the sky. When he stood up, he pronounced a blessing over the entire assembly of Israel, saying in a loud voice, The Lord is worthy of praise because he has made Israel his people secure just as he had promised. Not one of all the faithful promises he made through his servant Moses is left unfulfilled. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our ancestors. May he not abandon us or leave us. May he make us submissive so we can follow all his instructions and obey the commandments, rules, and regulations he commanded our ancestors. May the Lord our God be constantly aware of these requests of mine I have presented to him so that he might vindicate his servant and his people Israel as the need arises. Then all the nations of the earth will recognize that the Lord is the only genuine God. May you demonstrate wholehearted devotion to the Lord our God by following his rules and obeying his commandments as you are doing now. The king and all Israel with him were presenting sacrifices to the Lord. Solomon offered his peace offerings to the Lord, 22,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep. Then the king and all the Israelites dedicated the Lord's temple. That day the king consecrated the middle of the courtyard that is in front of the Lord's temple. He offered there burnt sacrifices, grain offerings, and fat from the peace offerings, because the bronze altar that stood before the Lord was too small to hold all these offerings. At that time, Solomon and all Israel with him celebrated a festival before the Lord our God for two entire weeks. This great assembly included people from all over the land, from Labo Hamath in the north to the stream of Egypt in the south. On the fifteenth day after the festival started, he dismissed the people. They asked God to empower the king and then went to their homes, happy and content because of all the good the Lord had done for his servant David and his people, Israel. So we see this incredible dedication uh, of the temple. And now we're going to continue this with a psalm, Psalm 30, which is written by uh, David, which was to be used at the dedication of the temple. And so let's read David's words uh, as words he prepared for that moment that we just read about. Psalm 30, a psalm, a song used at the dedication of the temple by David. I will praise you, O Lord, for you lifted me up and did not allow my enemies to gloat over me. O Lord, my God, I cried out to you and you healed me. O Lord, you pulled me up from Sheol. You rescued me from among those descending into the grave. Sing to the Lord, you faithful followers of his. Give thanks to his holy name. For his anger lasts only a brief moment and his good favor restores one's life. One may experience sorrow during the night, but joy arrives in the morning. In my self-confidence, I said, I will never be shaken. O Lord, in your good favor, you made me secure. Then you rejected me and I was terrified. To you, O Lord, I cried out. I begged the Lord for mercy. What profit is there in taking my life, in my descending into the pit? Can the dust of the grave praise you? Can it declare your loyalty? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. O Lord, deliver me. Then you turned my lament into dancing. 
You removed my sackcloth and covered me with joy. So now my heart will sing to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will always give thanks to you. So there's David's psalm of praise, a psalm pouring out his heart to God, thanking him that God is the one who does answer, the God who does respond, and just as Solomon prayed out, the God who forgives when people turn to him and pray. And now we turn to 1 Timothy 3, where we read about another kind of dedication, uh, a description of both what are called overseers or elders and deacons, people who are given specific roles within the early New Testament church, which have been carried on throughout the centuries, roles to lead and guide the people and help us all remain dedicated to serving and loving the God who has first loved us. So 1 Timothy chapter 3. This saying is trustworthy. If someone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a good work. The overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, an able teacher, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not contentious, free from the love of money. He must manage his own household well and keep his children in control without losing his dignity. But if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for the church of God? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become arrogant and fall into the punishment that the devil will exact. And he must be well thought of by those outside the faith, so that he may not fall into disgrace and be caught by the devil's trap. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not two-faced, not given to excessive drinking, not greedy for gain, holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And these also must be tested first, and then let them serve as deacons if they are found blameless. Likewise, also their wives must be dignified, not slanderous, temperate, faithful in every respect. Deacons must be husbands of one wife and good managers of their children and their own households. For those who have served well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and great boldness in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these instructions to you in case I am delayed to let you know how people ought to conduct themselves in the household of God because it is the church of the living God, the support and bulwark of the truth. And we all agree Our religion contains amazing revelation. He was revealed in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. And so the Apostle Paul lays out for us here in 1 Timothy 3 the office of overseer or elder and also the office of deacon, roles within the church that are meant to teach the people, instruct the people as elders and overseers and keep them seeing the wonder of God's truth, and deacons who are called to be people who are servant leaders, helping people learn to minister and care for those in need within the church and outside of the church in such a way that people would come to see the wonder and the grace and the love of God more and more clearly. And so we see that this whole thing and all the goal is to see the wonder of God's love and grace for them. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music.